For exclusive behind-the-scenes content and early access to videos and films, support us on Patreon for as little as $4 a month. This is Mario Andretti, and you are listening to Below the Yellow Line. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Below the Align podcast presented by Wicked Minis. Wicked Minis are great on soups, salad, or just as a handheld snack with six delicious flavors available. They're available on Amazon, Walmart.com, and always at MoonlightMixes.com. Clearly by our uh, little background here, you can see we're getting ready for the Christmas, for the holiday season. And today we have a man with us who has covered hundreds of NASCAR races, though none on Christmas, but Christmas race could be fun. Um, but he's covered hundreds of races over his lengthy career working for the Motor Racing Network. He's brought incredible insights to us fans at home from pit road and beyond, getting into the mind of the stars of the sport. I'm proud to welcome MRN Steve Post, the postman to the show today. Sir, how are you doing? Hey, hey, I'm doing great. Great to be part of the program. Really, really cool. Thank you so much for coming on. My first question for you is a simple one. It's kind of one I ask most everybody we have on here, but how did your career in, in motorsports and NASCAR and working for MRN start? Well, I've always been a fan of racing. Uh, I grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, uh, where my father uh, took me to local dirt tracks on Friday and Saturday nights. And we would go to midweek shows and we'd go everywhere. And I just loved it. And I, I, I loved it. Um, I loved the competition. I loved the racing. But I was never one of those guys that really wanted to drive. I'm not mechanically inclined at all. But what really enthralled me was the announcers and the way that they talked about things and the way they did things. And so uh, at a very young age, I could mimic all the local announcers and I would uh, take my matchbox cars and put them on the floor and announce races and do all of that. So um, and then at, at some point and I was in rural Pennsylvania, really out of touch, it would have been the early 70s. And, and I, the other thing is, is I, as I love radio, I've never been much of a TV person. I love radio. Um, in fact, presently, I don't even own a television. I haven't owned a television for, for like four years just because I don't, don't, uh, I never watch it. And, um, so I was going through my transistor radio. I used to listen to the Philadelphia Phillies or the Cincinnati Reds in, uh, play baseball. And I was going through my transistor radio and a station that was an uh, 60 to 70 miles away on a Sunday afternoon had NASCAR coverage on it. I couldn't even believe what I was hearing. Um, and turned out to be Motor Racing Network. It turned out to be one of my idols, Bar Barney Hall. And so fell in love with listening to races where I could, when I could, on the radio. Um, and then as I got uh, into, into college age, started announcing at local short tracks up in Pennsylvania and started doing that and kind of got my feet wet with it up there. And in 95, I made the decision that if I was either going to have to jump or uh, – or, or stay up there, and I moved to North Carolina, spent eight years doing PR for various teams, uh, drivers Kenny Wallace and Ricky Rudd and Randy Tolzma and some others. And then uh, in 2002, the end of 2002, uh, I was able to get an audition with MRN and uh, been going ever strong since. So uh, celebrated the end this year, was the end of my 21st season with the network. So really, really cool. But uh, yeah, I grew up wanting to talk about racing, and I, I guess I'm that guy that caught my dream. 
but we we have similar paths. It's kind of, and I know it's not just the most niche thing ever as as young NASCAR fans, especially to you know fake announce a race. But when I was little, I did the exact same thing, and I I got to the point where for whatever reason, instead of fidgeting with a, a fidget spinner or a cube or, or you know my phone like so many people do. I began to just fidget with those little toy 164 scale die cast. And sometimes I still have them on my person. And I do today. The green screen makes it probably where you can't see that. But got a, I guess that's Kyle Larson from a couple of years ago with me today. Um, but that's, I mean, it, it's a great story. And you talk about Barney Hall being an idol. And I can't imagine what it'd be like to, to then work with the man when you get into your career. I mean, what, what was it like to work with Barney? He's, he's obviously a guy that, did a good enough job to get an award partly named after him along with the, the late legendary Ken Squire. But what was it like to work with your idol, work with your hero once you got into your career? Well, I was extremely fortunate, but both actually, honestly, with Ken and with Barney, I have significant amount of time with Ken and Barney. And you're right. The Squire Hall Award is an award that we would all aspire to get. So named after uh, two of my mentors and two guys that I, I considered friends. Barney's situation was, uh, Barney lived up here in North Carolina, and at the time, MRN was uh, based in Daytona Beach, Florida. And Barney was starting to get up in years, and in their negotiations and their talks, uh, they had suggested that Barney, um, hold on one second, I got the phone was at the uh, phone was at the phone store all day, and they ran the juice out of it. So let me get plugged in here real quick, and we'll get right back after it here because I don't want to lose you. There we go. All right. So, uh, so Barney, um, the story with Barney was that um, they were in Daytona Beach, Florida, and as Barney's uh, age started to get a little bit uh, advanced, um, they decided that they wanted Barney to fly on a private charter. And the NASCAR team is in the Charlotte area. They fly, fly on private charters out of Concord Airport or Statesville Airport. And it's just basically a really simple flight. You show up, you drop your bag at the side of the plane, you get on the plane, you pick your bag up, you go to the rental car or you go home and whatever it is. And so they called me and I had, I was in my first or second year with MRN. Uh, first, first two years, I didn't have a lot of work with the network. Third year, I started to get to be pretty regular on pit road. And it was about this time they they reached out to me and said, hey, we've got something we want to run past you. And I said, okay. And they said, uh, we're going to put Barney on the charter. Um, but Barney was like, didn't really want to deal with rental cars or anything. So can we put you, because I was based here in the Concord, North Carolina area. I was the only other one. There, there's others here, but the, the, I was the only one whose schedules would have been comparable to Barney's. And they said, could we put you on the charter and then have you just drive you and Barney? And I'm like, wait a minute. Usually when you negotiate something, there's a downside to it. And I'm like, there's no downside to this at all. So for about three years, um, Barney and I would arrive at three o'clock, four o'clock on a Thursday afternoon at the airport. Uh, we'd sit there, we'd chit chat, we'd go grab dinner on Thursday night. And then I learned so many lessons from Barney, but one of the lessons was preparation. Just you got to be prepared. And we would be in the car riding back from the from dinner on Thursday night. He'd say, boy, what time is uh, the garage open tomorrow? And I'd say, Barney, garage opens at 7 o'clock tomorrow. He says, well, I guess we better be leaving this hotel. See you in the lobby at 6.30. And we would be the first ones there. And so I traveled three years like that with Barney. And, boy, I'm telling you what, you want to talk about um, great experience. First off, he was just one of the, the kindest men on the planet. Just a, just a really, really good person. Just a great person. Um, but then to learn from him 
and to see the way he operated and to see the way he prepared and to see the way he did things. Uh, it was a college education on NASCAR broadcasting that I was able to get while on the job, if you will. And uh, it was just it, it was just fascinating. And so getting to work with Barney like that and then getting to work for years and years with him until he finally came off the road with us was just absolutely something that uh, that no young broadcaster could could ask for anything more. I uh, I was very fortunate. My timing, my positioning, my location was really, really fortunate to have all that quality time with Barney. Well, there's a saying out there that you should never meet your heroes because you'll only end up disappointed. I think this story is the exact opposite of that. You got to meet your hero and got to not only call him your hero, but your colleague, your friend. And that's an experience that, you know, a lot of us, um, you know, don't always get to have. But I think it's important to share stories like that, especially about a man like Barney Hall, because like you mentioned, just one of the kindest people, well-respected in the garage area, a veteran of his craft. Uh, my next question for you is, is I, I guess it kind of you referenced Barney coming off the road and he was getting up there in age. He was still doing a fantastic job, though. And you listen to old broadcasts and he barely changed. I mean, he always still had charisma, energy, always knew the right thing to say. But what was it like for you as somebody that got to see the shifts that the sport made? What was it like to see those from a reporter's point of view? Because, you know, you go to work 36, 38 weeks out of the year, and then you flip the page five years, you say, whoa, it's been five years now. These This driver's out, this driver's in, this team shut down, this team just started. What was it like for you to see kind of the landscape of the sport change in front of your eyes not just as a race fan, but as somebody that was working in the industry week to week. Well, it has been amazing. It's like even when you just look at our race weekends, our race weekends used to be, you know, a couple hours of practice on Friday and qualifying and an hour or two of practice on Saturday. And then we would uh, go race on Sunday and now everything's been shortened up. But really over the course of time, I've been fortunate. And, and actually it goes down to a Barney Hall lesson. Um, Barney Hall's, one of his mantras was, if you talk about the race in front of you, you will never have a bad broadcast. And so we've been unfortunate. And, and I did spend some time on Sirius where I did calls and opinions. But right now, and, and I'm perfectly comfortable, my sole coverage is pit road with MRN, whether it's garage coverage during practice shows um, or pit road uh, coverage during the races. Occasionally, they'll throw me out in the corner on a road course where we need a lot of bodies out there. But um, the beauty of where I'm at with it is, is that if I just talk about what happens in front of me, I'll have a good broadcast. I don't have opinions. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, my opinion doesn't matter. Um, and that's a good thing. Uh, my opinion shouldn't matter. And so I just kind of call it as I see it. And so consequently, I think that that's been kind of the mantra that I've gone with. Now, you talk about the changes and it's the changes of the people. I mean, I remember when I was doing truck series PR, when this kid from Bakersfield, California, Kevin Harvick came in and he was the kid, he was Kevin Harvick. And it's like, uh, now he's retired, um, you know, and, and it's just been amazing. So the people have changed and you, you see it, but kind of the, kind of the beauty of this thing is, is that uh, we're very fortunate. And it's because of guys like Barney Hall, when we have the MRN microphone, when we have the MRN logo on our shirt, uh, they kind of sort of know that we're probably not going to be there picking at scabs. Uh, we're probably not going to be there, um, you know, talking about the muck and some of the stuff that's happening in the sport. Uh, we're likely going to ask, how's your car? Uh, how's the race playing out? What happened? How'd you do this? How'd you do that? And so consequently, 
and and because of people like Barney, we have a really good reputation. So even young drivers, they come into the sport and they realize that you know MRN is going to give you a fair question. They're going to be they're going to be good to you. They're going to they're they're not going to they're not going to ask jaded questions. They're going to you know what happened is a fair question, and we'll ask that question. Um, but but to get in the details and the opinion and everything like that are not uh, are not 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 that critical with it. So consequently, I think. It, it hasn't changed as much. The, the people have changed and the way we do things, the practice sessions, the short practice sessions, the short times that, geez, during COVID, it was even weirder yet when we would just show up and do the races. Um, so I think the time, the schedule has changed, but really it's still the same. You get in the garage area on race morning, you get in the garage area and practice morning, you talk to a couple crew chiefs, you talk to a couple drivers, they have some media availabilities. You get in there, you try to find out what's going on. Uh, you ask questions when you're when you when 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 it's appropriate to ask the questions when you're there uh, on the grid or, or at the end of the race, and you kind of just do it. And so while it's changed and the names have changed and the cars have changed and the schedules have changed, really hasn't changed a lot either. Uh, in that it's still the same process. Um, yeah, we're 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 no longer talking to Rusty Wallace and Bill Elliott. You know, we're talking to, to to Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney, but it's really about the same process. And again, it goes back to what Barney Hall said. And from MRN's perspective and from my perspective, if we just talk about what's happening in front of us with the race, we're going to be just fine. If we just ask about what's happening in front of us with the race, we're going to be just fine. And uh, it served me well. And uh, so, yeah, there's been so much change in the sport, but but really what we do with MRN is still pretty much the same as what we've been doing all along. Well, it's great to hear that you guys have that mindset in a world of journalism, especially sports journalism that seems so convoluted. And nowadays, if you try to go on any social media, even of official reporters, there's always some stuff that you're kind of like, OK, that's not confirmed. And you know, we've heard a lot of stuff with, with certain NFL reporters over the past couple of weeks about stuff. And you're kind of looking, OK, where is the sports journalism that we can just 100 percent completely trust? And you say it when you have the logo on, the MRN logo on, you know that you're going to get a fair shake and you know that you know no drama no frills just the truth and that's a great thing to have for a, a journalistic world that you know it's kind of seem kind of seems in any way in my opinion to be shifting from that um we just talked about the changing landscape of the sport but as far as mrn goes and i'm going to have a, a slight anecdote that hopefully won't go on too long in a second just to kind of prove this but mrn and the crew hasn't changed i was listening to a race yesterday on uh on MRN's Classic Races, which for anybody that doesn't know, it's on Spotify and all these other platforms, but it's a great way to kind of go into a time capsule, especially if you want to hear Barney Hall call a race. Uh, they have raced from the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, all the way up to this past season on there. But I was listening to the fall Kansas playoff race in 2006, or then it was the chase. And you go up to the booth and you have Barney Hall and Joe Moore, who are both retired, but both retired relatively Recently, you go to turn one, you have Dave Moody, and then Rusty Wallace made a guest appearance. He's still on with you guys sometimes. And you go down to Pitt Road, you have Adam Alexander, who's still covering the sport with FS1. You have Alex Hayden, who's still covering the sport. And then you have yourself. And then you look at the driver's lineup, and the top two starters, Casey Kane and Scott Riggs from that race, are retired. Team that they drove for doesn't exist. What has been the secret to you guys at MRN staying so consistent with who you have and still having great coverage while the world around you is changing. MRN is kind of a rock in an ever-changing world of faces and drivers, but what's been the secret to your longevity? 
Well, I think first and foremost, um, everybody that we work with, everyone on our crew, we love this sport. Uh, for the most part, we're all short track announcers that just navigated our way to this really, really cool job. And I think we appreciate it and respect it. It's funny listening to you talk about it because we actually talk about this on the broadcast. When the broadcast crew, uh, when the broadcast crew includes Jeff Striegel, Alex Hayden, Dave Moody, Mike Bagley, when it involves in the turns, Kurt Becker or Dan Hubbard, and when it involves Jason Toy and me on pit road, I'm the new guy at 21 years with the network. Um, what's interesting about it is that Kyle Ricky, who is a guy that fills in for it, does some of our races. Kyle and I were the same audition class. So we're both 21 years in it. Now we've added, you know, Dylan Welch and Kim Kuhn, and we've added some, some Tim Catafamo's doing some races for us. We've added some young people, but honestly, when it's, when it's Jason Toy and I on pit road, chances are I'm the newbie at 21 years. And so I think, I think that speaks that we all love the sport. We all love doing what we do. Uh, we really have a good time on the road. We, we generally like each other. We, we have a, we have a really good time. There's, there in, in in it's not always together. It's uh, I'm I'm one that at times we're writing back and they'll be like, hey, we're doing this for dinner, and and I'll just be blatantly honest and say I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to go to the hotel room. I've got some food there. Uh, I'm 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 sick of people. I'm sick of you. I'm sick of this. And okay, okay, we're meeting in the lobby at seven thirty tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'll see you there. So we have a really good um, we have a really good rapport between us all. A good relationship as far as. Uh, as far as uh, getting along with each other and and getting along and and just saying okay I'm I'm wore out there's there's nights where we won't see Dave or there's nights where we won't see Mike or we won't see Alex and it's just like we all understand we all get it we're all traveling we've all got lives at home we've all got families at home we've all got things going on and I think that um, I, I think that traveling around the country and 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 loving each other as we do and respecting each other is what kind of keeps us all going. And then MRN generally treats us pretty well. Yeah, you can make a few more bucks in TV. There's no denying that. But you know, we travel all right. We stay at decent hotels. We're not, you know, we're not, we're not schlepping it in the back of tents or anything like that. So we're we're treated pretty well. Uh, we're respected extremely well. We are our management of our team gives us huge respect. Um, and I think you put that all together, and the fact that we all love what we do, and that's why the team has been the same forever and ever. And the, the challenge that I get into this, because I talk to a lot of young people who are like, man, I want to get into it. I want to get into it. I want to get into it. I said, I'm with you. I'd love to have you get into it. I just don't know where to tell you to start because none of us leave. You know, that's the problem. You got to you, you got to find your way in. And so uh, but it's but it's really been uh, it's really been fun working with MRN and working with the same people. You know, you mentioned uh, Barney. Uh, Barney's probably been off the road. We lost Barney probably eight years ago. Barney was probably off the road two years with that. Joe was probably five years ago. Winston Kelly came off the road three years ago. Um, Adam is covering on TV. Um, but really, it's been the same crew of us traveling up and down the road for years and years. Well, it, it just leads to experience. And you say, you know, you're telling guys that want to get into this industry, you know, I don't know where to start. It's the complete opposite of the garage area where you look around and there's a few veterans left, but for the most part, unless you have a, a super team like Hendrick Motorsports, you look at a team like Joe Gibbs or or Penske before, I guess, they, they took their Xfinity program away. You say, okay, we got, you know, Xfinity truck, ARCA, K&N, you know, we have all these different feeder programs and, and teams that can help you get to the top ranks. 
with you guys, you're all so good at what you do and you've all been there for so long. It's like, where do you go? But it's great to have people like that covering the sport. And again, it's great to see the same team out there most every weekend and great to hear those familiar voices. Yeah, I think the other thing is, I think I think where we've landed on this, I think we're in an interesting time with media. We really are. And and for, from, from an opportunity standpoint, shoot, I'm, I'm 21, 22 years ago. You would have to go get a job at a radio station, which maybe carried MRN so that someone could hear you on the radio station or someone from the station could reach out to MRN to get you an audition. We live in such an exciting time right now with podcasting like we're doing right here right now. Uh, this is something that I tell anybody, get a microphone in your hand. Uh, if you want to do play-by-play, get a microphone in your hand. It doesn't matter if it's high school soccer or college volleyball or, or your local short track, get a microphone in your hand. But there are so many avenues right now that uh, that you can do through podcasting that if you have the chops, if you have the skills, you could potentially get some, get some attention. So it's really, really cool. On the other side of that, I think the thing that keeps the longevity for those of us that have been with MRN is that there is a mindset out there that there is there are some and some have gone this route where radio is an entree to television and i get that television is a great great platform television coverage is to far more people than the radio coverage i get that television pays more than radio does as well but the one thing about all of us like jeff striegel and alex and dave and mike we're all kind of radio guys and so consequently i think that that's helped our longevity as well We've had people that have moved on. We've had people that have moved on and moved back with us. Um, you know, Kim Kuhn, Kim Kuhn does a great job with us. She's had a great opportunity with NBC over the last two years. And when we got to planning 2024, they reached out to Kim and said, okay, are you in or out? And she says, that's a weird question. You know I'm in. I love doing radio. And so it's a passion for radio that brings and keeps a lot of us together as well. Well, again, it's, it's just great to have people that are so passionate about it that they do want to stay in those roles because that's another thing. You know, loyalty is kind of leaving, especially in, in sports. Everybody's talking about NIL, this, and college sports, and you always see, you know, pro athletes. It seems like some of them are on a new team every single day, but um, to have a group of guys uh, like you have at MRN that just stay so consistent is great to see as a fan of the sport and as somebody like me that wants to see the sport uh, do as well as possible. Uh, my last question for you is, is there a favorite memory, a favorite race, a favorite, you know, interview from somebody that was really fiery? Is it just what's your favorite memory so far from your time with the Motor Racing Network? Well, the memories are great. And and I, I always, I, I'll, I'll go two ways. When you, you mentioned the word fiery, uh, there's nothing that makes me happier than a hacked off second place finisher. Um, you know, I've had, I've had moments, I've had moments where Kyle Bush will just stand there with his arms crossed and give me one word answers. That's all right. I don't have a problem with it. It's not personal. Kyle doesn't dislike me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't dislike me. I'm a reporter asking him a question and he's mad because he lost the race. What I like about that is that there's a guy passionate, that, that passionate that he's really hacked off when he finishes second. So I have no problem with those moments or when they get scrapping and when they get fighting every once in a while, we get in the middle of that. I love those moments. They're really fun. But my all-time hands-down favorite moment would have been the 2021 Daytona 500. From our perspective, Winston Kelly had just retired. And so I moved up to, to what's called P1 on our broadcast, the first pit road report, uh, per, first pit road position. And so with that role, 
I get victory lane for the Cup Series races, okay? We roll into Daytona for the Daytona 500, and who do I get to interview my first time? And I've and, and Winston had some weeks off, so I've been to victory lane multiple times, but the very first time in that role was Michael McDowell winning his Daytona 500. Now, Michael and my story goes back, uh, goes back a ways. Michael is very, very devout in his faith. And uh, I am a person of faith as well. And so years and years ago, we were paired up where we went probably six or eight times, probably six times, we went to churches in markets where the races were. And I would do a little introduction and talk a little bit about NASCAR. I would bring out Michael. We would do a question and answer session. Michael would share his testimony and, you know, then offer up an altar call. And so Michael and I shared um, some really quality time. And one of the things that I respect so much about Michael is faith is an interesting thing. And it's an even more interesting topic to me now than it was then. But the one thing Michael and I, we would always meet early and we would always just have a little private time. Of, how are you? How's things? Is there anything going on in your world? Is there house things? We have time of prayer. And I respect Michael so much because Michael was not, he was, he was never beating me over the head with the Bible, um, but he was a very compassionate Christian man. And so I respected that. So we had that background. Fast forward to the 2021 Daytona 500. This is post COVID. There's no crews, there's no family, there's no anybody around. I trot out the front stretch. There's a TV reporter, there's a TV cameraman, and a guy holding the boom. And there's a radio guy. There's four of us on the front stretch to greet our Daytona 500 champion. TV comes in, Michael's teared up, he's in disbelief, he's won the Daytona 500. TV does their interview, Michael is great on there. He gets done with that interview, and he just walks over and just bear hug. I got an absolute bear hug. Uh, I was the, and, and we've joked about this since. I was the surrogate family. I was the surrogate crew. We had had the background, so he knew. And MRN is tossing to me, and he's got his arms around me. I'm like, I hope he breaks this hug before they got to me because we're going to have an awkward pause here if he's going to do it. Sure enough, he did, and we had the conversation. Now, what's funny, and, and so that's my favorite moment, is sharing that with Michael with the scenario. Now, what's fascinating where this takes a turn this year is Michael goes to Indianapolis and he wins on the road course there and his family is all there. They're all in. I mean, you, you know, we've seen the pictures. They're kissing the bricks. They're there with the flags. They're with the cup. They're with everything. Michael is there. So we don't do that race. So wherever we're at the next race, I, I walked up to Michael and I said, so you traded me and for your whole family, didn't you? And we joked about that. And he said, Postman, I appreciate you being there for that 500, but boy, it was so much better with my family there at India. And I said, yeah, it was. I said, I literally, as I watched the end of that race, I was somewhere, actually, it was weird because I told you I don't own a television, so I don't know where I was at, whether I was on the road or in an airport or somewhere where I saw the end of the race and seeing him with his family there in Victory Lane was so special because I know what that moment meant to him, not having it, winning the Daytona 500, and getting it, winning his second career race. So the Michael McDowell 2021 Daytona 500 victory lane and bear hug. Uh, I was bear hugged by a Daytona 500 champion before anybody else. And I'll take that all the way. That's uh, That was a cool, cool moment with, uh, with Michael McDowell. Well, it's always fun when you get to congratulate a friend or a family member on anything, especially a big accomplishment, but especially you guys. 
having that prior relationship, building that rapport. And, and I can't imagine his emotions getting to see his family for that Brickyard win because that Brickyard win was his first Cup Series win. And then, you know, not having your family there for your first, but then getting to have them there for your second. And and that's so special. But it's awesome you were kind of able to be that, yeah. that surrogate family for him to, to fill in and fill that void. You know what's really interesting about this, and I and and um, Frank Kelleher is the track president at Daytona, and Frank had not realized that the whole story, and so um, when we went to Daytona in July of this year, they surprised Michael McDowell. Him and his family did victory lane at Daytona, celebrating the 500 win a couple of years earlier, and so the kids were spraying champagne, and there was confetti everywhere, and they did everything, and so. Uh, it, and, and I, and I actually talked to Michael about that as well. I said, uh, man, you're now, now you're celebrating Daytona with the family. I mean, what am I chopped liver here? You know? Uh, and again, I, I, I have such huge respect for Michael and he just said, he said, they surprised, they surprised him on that one. The family knew everybody knew. And they're like, you got to go to do victory. Lane. You got to go to victory lane to do this interview. And he's like, why do we got to go to victory lane? Why can't we go to the media center? Why, yeah. Go to victory lane. He gets to victory lane and the family is there. And they're celebrating his Daytona 500 win. So he got both celebrations with the family. One was a few years late. I'll take I'll, I'll take the moment I had with him in 2021. But yeah, Frank Kelleher, the track president at Daytona, a great moment. And and Michael shared with me how special that was. And of course, his family they just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. They celebrated two victories this season. The family got to celebrate with their dad and their and their husband. And I think that's really cool. Well, even if it's delayed, getting to celebrate a win in the Super Bowl of stock car racing, you know, I, I think he would have taken that if it was 50 years late, to be completely yep. honest with you. But a great moment for sure. And, and thank you for sharing that memory. And, and thank you so much for joining us. You're somebody that's been a constant over two decades. But, uh, you know, according to you, you're still kind of the baby of the broadcast. But, you know, a few years, maybe a new young one will come in and, and you'll be able to say you'll be able to show him the reins a little bit. But uh, thank you for joining us today. And thank you for all the work that you've done in the sport uh, you do a great job that whole team at mrn does a great job uh week in and week out bringing uh coverage so just thank you for what you do and thank you for joining us today well samuel i appreciate uh getting on the program here i really do and i appreciate your patience behind the scenes um i just struggle with getting things done and you you were so patient putting this all together and i finally like two weeks ago i said okay this week i'm i've got samuel here i got this going on that going on it's going to get done. And I appreciate your patience and uh, appreciate the uh, appreciate the time getting a chance to be on your podcast here and uh, and certainly wish you the best as you as you continue on with it. Well, thank you. And we wish uh, you and, and all the team at MRM best of luck here is you know, the 2023 season just ended, but it'll hit you in a flash. The Bush Clash will be here. The Daytona 500 will be here and we'll all be back in full swing. Thank you so much for joining the show, uh, show today, sir. Thank you. Great to be here. This is Mario Andretti, and you are listening to Below the Yellow Line.